I'm so sorry, ma'am. I know you need this medicine, but it looks like it's not covered by your insurance. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to deny that one. Wait, who are you? I'm your insurance company's pharmacy benefit manager. I get paid based on the price of a medicine, and I don't make as much money off this one. No one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Welcome back to another episode of Middling Management Hub Podcast. I'm Steve Westover, your host, and today we're delving into a topic that can transform your approach as a middle manager and people leader. Activities-oriented coaching versus results-oriented coaching. We'll explore how these coaching styles can impact your team's performance and uncover strategies to tailor your coaching using situational leadership, a dynamic model designed to match your sales rep's maturity levels. Let's start by understanding the key differences between activities-oriented coaching and results-oriented coaching. Both approaches have their merits, but they serve different purposes in driving your team's growth and success. Activities-oriented coaching emphasizes the process, the steps, and the methods needed to achieve a specific goal. It involves breaking down tasks, providing detailed guidance, and ensuring your team follows predefined procedures. This approach can be beneficial when introducing new strategies or systems. It's all about providing guidance and support through the different stages of a project or task. This coaching style is like a roadmap that helps team members navigate their way toward the desired destination. Just like any coaching style, activities-oriented coaching has its own set of advantages and challenges. On the positive side, it allows managers to offer detailed guidance and support throughout the entire process. It ensures that employees have a clear understanding of what steps to take and how to take them. However, it's essential to strike a balance. Being too focused on activities might unintentionally limit creativity and autonomy. Sometimes, giving your team the space to explore their methods can lead to innovative solutions. So what does activities-oriented coaching look like? So let's take a look at an example of sales coaching. Let's say, for example, that we're wanting to sell mortgages and we need to find customers to be able to sell these mortgages. We have a a number of leads lists that we need to contact. Activities-oriented coaching will be concerned about the number of outbound calls that a banker is making, the number of appointments that are scheduled, the number of qualified meetings held, the number of qualified referrals, the number of qualified applications that are taken. Now, this can easily turn into micromanaging, but it doesn't have to if you keep the activities you're tracking to a limited number and are broad enough to allow some variance and creativity. The belief is that if an employee does the right things, the results will follow. If the employee makes the calls and sets the appointments and follows through with quality meetings and gets the application, then the sale and the closing mortgage will happen. If the sales don't happen, it becomes easier to assess the breakdown in the process and assess any skills gap that may exist. I once had a situation where a couple of my employees were very hesitant to offer a specific product to customers. Um, They were afraid that they'd be turned down. They were afraid that they'd be told no. And so what we did was we played the no game so that we would hopefully take away the fear of the rejection. And so we tracked the number of questions asked 
not the results of how many people actually accept it. So for example, what this might look like, let's say you're running a fast food restaurant and you want your employees to upgrade the food orders to a large size so they get the large fry, the large drink instead of medium, that kind of thing. The metric would be how many times are you asking, would you like to upgrade to the large? Maybe there's a special offer that is associated with that. Maybe there is a special dessert offer that is going. And so if an employee is hesitant or afraid to ask the question because they're afraid of the rejection, play the no game. So what this looked like for us was we had rewards based on how many times an employee recorded a no. So obviously you can only record a no or rejection if you've asked the question, right? We weren't worried about getting the positive result. We were worried about getting the question asked, figuring that if, if the employee did the right thing and asked the question, a certain number of the customers would accept the product. By the end of the day, we tallied up the number of no's that each employee had, and the employee with the most no's won the reward, took the fear out of the rejection, and we tracked the activity of asking the question and the result of no, as opposed to a result of the sale. On the other hand, results-oriented coaching focuses on the outcome and empowers your team to find their own paths to reach the goal. It encourages creativity, critical thinking, and ownership. This approach works well when you want your team to develop problem-solving skills and adaptability. This style emphasizes the end goals and outcomes that individuals are working towards. It's about setting clear expectations, tracking progress, and celebrating achievements. Results-oriented coaching offers several benefits. It encourages a sense of purpose and urgency, motivating employees to work efficiently and effectively. When everyone is aligned with the end goal, it can foster a strong sense of teamwork and collaboration. However, there's a fine line to walk. Overemphasizing results can lead to stress and burnout, and in some cases, unethical behavior when an ends justifies the means kind of mentality takes place. It's crucial to remember that the journey matters just as much as the destination. So on a practical level, how does this coaching look different than activities coaching? Instead of tracking the behaviors that lead to the results, you would simply track the results. Let's be honest, a salesperson making phone calls and setting appointments doesn't earn any money for the company. Value is earned from the final result. So the belief is that if you tell the salesperson something like, we need you to sell 15 cars this month for a total sales price of $350,000, or tell the mortgage lender they need to book 10 mortgages monthly for over $1 million, you allow the salesperson flexibility to be creative and efficient as they work towards these goals. You track the sales and the revenue that ensues instead of the phone calls that might lead to the sales. While both coaching styles have their advantages, the key lies in finding the right balance. Activities-oriented coaching can provide structure and clarity, while results-oriented coaching fosters innovation and independent thinking. So which coaching style is better? Well, the key is in finding a balance that works for your team and the specific situation. Combining both activities-oriented and results-oriented approaches can yield fantastic results. I'm so sorry, ma'am. I know you need this medicine, but it looks like it's not covered by your insurance. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I had to deny that one. Wait, who are you? I'm your insurance company's pharmacy benefit manager. I get paid based on the price of a medicine, and I don't make as much money off this one. No one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Is that your new Lexus RX? RX plug-in hybrid. So it runs all electric? Yeah, for short trips. And can switch to gas for long. Wow. What does your range anxiety therapist say? Dr. Feeney? Uh-huh. He says my RX cured me. No more range anxiety therapy. Nope. Well, you're an inspiration to us all. The best-selling Lexus RX lineup. Now with a plug-in hybrid. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Now let's delve into a powerful tool that can help you tailor your sales coaching. Situational leadership. Developed by Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard, this model acknowledges that there is no one-size-fits-all approach. Instead, it adapts to your rep's readiness levels, combining competence and commitment. To effectively apply situational leadership, it's vital to assess your sales rep's readiness levels. This involves rating their competence and commitment for specific tasks on a scale of 1 to 10 and plotting them on a matrix. Alternatively, you can encourage self-assessment by discussing their confidence, support needs, and motivation. These styles balance directive and support behaviors to cater to different levels of competence and commitment. The first coaching style is telling. This style comes into play when a team requires close supervision and constant guidance. Picture, picture a scenario where a team is just starting to work on a complex project and they're relatively new to the task. A leader using the telling style would make most, if not all, of the decisions and then clearly communicate these decisions to the team. It's like providing a roadmap for a team that's just finding its way. Second, we have the selling style. This one is particularly effective when a team or employee is lacking motivation to tackle a specific task. Think of a situation where a team member is feeling uninspired to work on a challenging assignment. A leader employing the selling style would not only provide guidance, but also work to inspire and motivate the team member. They might share the bigger picture, explaining how the task fits into the overall project or organization's goals, igniting that spark of enthusiasm. Third, we have the participating style. This approach is a great fit when your team is competent in their tasks, but might lack the confidence or willingness to tackle them. Consider a team that's skilled at their job, but is facing self-doubt or uncertainty about a new project. A leader using the participating style would encourage collaboration, involve the team in decision-making, and create an environment where team members feel comfortable sharing their thoughts and concerns. Fourth and lastly, we have the delegating style. This style shines when your team is highly efficient and skilled, needing minimal guidance to accomplish their tasks. Think of a team that has worked together for a long time and has deep understanding of their roles. A leader employing the delegating style would empower team members to take ownership make decisions, and essentially run with the project. This fosters a sense of autonomy and trust within the team. It's important to note that there's no single best style when it comes to situational leadership. The key is for the leader to be flexible and adapt to the specific needs of their team and the situation. Sometimes you'll need to tell, other times sell, participate, or delegate. It all depends on what's required to ensure the team's success. Remember, Situational leadership requires flexibility. 
Regularly observe your reps' performance, seek their feedback, and adjust your approach. Open communication and experimentation allow you to match their needs without overcoaching or undercoaching. Incorporating situational leadership in your sales coaching yields numerous benefits. You can tailor your coaching to individual needs, boost competence and commitment, and elevate performance and satisfaction. It also strengthens trust, rapport, and your leadership skills. So let's talk about some practical tips for middle managers. One, know your team. Understand the preferences and needs of each team member. Some may thrive with more structure while others excel given more freedom. Two, set clear expectations. Regardless of the coaching style, ensure that everyone knows what is expected of them. This clarity sets the foundation for success. Three, regular check-ins. Consistent communication is key. Regularly check in with your team to provide guidance, track progress, and offer support. Four, adapt and flex. Be ready to adapt your coaching style based on the project, the team dynamics, and the stage of development. Five, celebrate achievements. Whether it's completing a significant milestone or hitting a big goal, take the time to celebrate the achievements along the way. As we develop as leaders and as middle managers, our coaching styles are likely to change over time. What I do today is quite a bit different than what I did 20 years ago. I think that's natural and good. Um, means we're learning and trying to improve ourselves and our coaching as we go along. 10 years ago, I started in a new office and there was a wide variability with the staff. So the first thing I did was I set a, a coaching schedule just so I could determine the levels of competence and confidence uh, in each of the staff members. I had a 30-year-old veteran. She'd been there for a long time. She knew everything. She had all the institutional knowledge, and she seemed like she might be coasting towards retirement. I had a three-year high achiever, somewhat new to the job, but doing very well consistently. I had a five-year, very talented person who seemed to be a bit of an underachiever. I had a couple who were just along for the ride. They did their job. They did what was asked of them, but not much else and they seemed competent enough in their tasks. I started weekly coaching each of them, including a self-assessment. So before they came to their coaching session, they would complete the self-assessment to talk about how they felt they were doing year to date and how they did the prior week. What were their accomplishments? What were they most proud of? And what would they like to focus on this week? I needed to gain situational awareness because these people were all new to me. For each, I began with a mixture of activities and results-based coaching, heavy on the activities. For those who were already successful, I wanted to understand why. What were they spending the majority of their time each week doing that made them successful? What were the activities that helped them to be successful? For those who were not being successful, I wanted to understand the same things. What were they doing? What were they spending the majority of their time on? What could we adjust? Over time, the weekly coachings with each of them became much more personalized. Again, trying to understand where they were, what they were feeling good about. And then throughout the week, I would also perform observational coachings. I would observe what they were doing based on the discussions we had earlier. If they said they spent a majority of their time doing X, I wanted to watch and listen and see what they were doing while they were doing X and then comment on that and have a discussion. The observational coachings were much more brief, much more um, quick and on the spot so that we could observe and comment at that moment so we could really make it salient. 
So guys, here's the thing. Understanding my staff, understanding their skills, their career aspirations, their motivations, and not only helped me to understand how to coach them towards individual success, but also helped me to understand how to use my staff resources. How do I deploy my staff for the greatest effectiveness? Knowing and focusing on the individual has almost always benefited the entire team as a whole. But if I'm being honest, I also have to recognize that not everyone responds to coaching the same way. But even that is important knowledge to have, right? Who is teachable? Who is coachable? Who is coasting? Who doesn't really care what you have to say or really even necessarily care about how the team does as a whole? You can learn all these things by having these conversations and coaching. You can see how they respond to that individual coaching. Are they in it for themselves? Are they in it for the team? Are they in it for neither? Are they just coasting along to get a paycheck? But more than anything, I really want to understand what I can do to help. What is it that I can do to remove barriers from their success? What do they find challenging? Is there a skill that I can help coach them towards greater um, ability? Because when all is said and done, I am there to be a resource to my people. I am there to help them to be successful. When they become successful individually, guess what? The entire team gains in success. And when the whole team gains in success, then the organization profits. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for joining us. We've reached the end of today's episode of Middling Management Hub. Remember, as a middle manager, you have the power to choose the right coaching style for your team's needs. Activities-oriented coaching and results-oriented coaching can coexist harmoniously, and situational leadership helps you strike that balance. So as we wrap up today's episode, it's clear that both activities-oriented and results-oriented coaching have their unique strengths. However, the best approach is often a blend that suits your team's needs and the context of your projects. You have the power to choose the right coaching style for your team's needs. Remember, your role as a middle manager is to empower your team members, guide their growth, and celebrate their achievements. So go ahead and incorporate the best of both coaching styles as you lead your team to success. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more discussions that equip you to lead with confidence and effectiveness. Until next time, tailor your coaching to empower your team and guide them towards excellence. Continue leading with purpose, empathy, and a commitment to the empowered workforce of tomorrow.